What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody. I, Kevin, how are you? I'm great, Evan. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great. You know, we are, we're, Sans, our sports media guy in Barry this week, and we're full of- Is Barry not here? He's not here. Really? I know it's going to be hard to notice, oh, okay. but we're chock full of sports media personalities, uh, led off by Emily Jones McCoy of the Texas Rangers television broadcasts. Emily, are you in uh, our studio? Uh, She's not in the studio. She's in the headphones. Yes. Yeah. I'm in the, yes, I'm in uh, these high-tech, high-society studios that you guys uh, Our make-believe studio, yeah. Um, It's a virtual studio, kind of, is really what it is. Right now, we're, right now, producer Doug is trying to get the shot clock working. Yeah, um, that's a constant here, isn't it? No, but we have to, Emily has got a Christmas program uh, for her kids today, so we're going to get her in and out of here pretty quickly. We appreciate that. a lot of preschoolers singing christmas songs it should be magical that's Absolutely good stuff magical. do that the, is good do stuff. the hot messes have like costumes or are they just dressing up no no no, no. just this is like the one day a year where i actually make my children dress properly to school um, and i don't allow them to dress themselves because <laughs> i know there will be many pictures taken um and the and the judgment that would come from other parents would be far far too great for me to bear so this is the day uh, that that the, the collared shirts come out. Um, we actually brush the hair. It's very, very busy. Wow. Well, yeah. Maybe y'all should have a, a performances every day, Emily. Maybe that would work. That would not be okay. <laughs> that would not. Would be not okay. okay. <laughs> All right. That's good. All right. So speaking of dressing up, you know, big story in Major League Baseball this week was that we will have changes uh, going forward in the idea of rookie hazing and rookie dress-up day. And you have chronicled Rangers' rookie dress-up days for going on a decade now. Uh, what is your take on that whole event? To me, it's the, or the experiences that I've had, and I think and probably, like you said, t- 10 years of doing this, I, there has been two players that I have seen not – you know, comfortable with it or really not enjoying it. Um, the the rest of them have loved absolutely every minute of it, um, and you know, even taken it to another level as far as you know. With, when we do the, um, you know, they make some of the guys come up, come forward on the plane and give the flight instruction, the safety instructions, and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, this guy's really going to eat it up. Like I said, the vast majority. There are a couple here and there that don't dig it. Um, don't like it and kind of, you know, pout about it a little bit, and then it's over with and you move on. Uh, I feel like everyone acknowledges that it's part of this fraternity, um, you know, known as baseball, and, and it's just part of the game, and once you've been through it, you're excited. 
decided to, you know, um, inflict that fun on others uh, down the road. So a little bit of a rite of passage. I mean, can you take it too far? I guess so. But I feel like as long as you're not making someone feel uncomfortable, then probably, um, you know, all, all's good. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fine line, obviously, in the same age. Emily, I don't want to be accused of harassing these players, but would you mind telling us who those two were that were uncomfortable doing that? No, I never would. I never would. No, because it's not fair to them, um, you know, and that's a private type of event, you know what I mean, for them that I've been privy to witness, and I, I wouldn't ever um, I wouldn't ever do that to anybody just because. And it, it wasn't like they were vocally upset about it or whatever. You could just tell. I could just tell that there was, you know, it's like I said, two guys that, that, I, that I've noticed that were like, this is, they're not wearing this very well. Um, but yeah, sorry, I'm not going to, I'm the, not going to share. The thing, the, the thing for me is over the last four or five years, as this has become a staple of social media and every team gathers its players up and they take photos and every player posts photos on their, on their Instagram account, I have almost been counting down to when we would have something like this take place because it's not to me so much. I look inside the Rangers clubhouse, and I actually said something to Adrian Beltre the day of rookie dress-up day this year that this clubhouse, it feels like everybody's actually excited about this. The rookies, the players themselves, everybody it seems like they're excited. But then you see those photos, and you see Joey Gallo dressed up as a as a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, and you see lots of lots of gender-specific costumes, and you, you get the feeling that Major League Baseball is very cognizant of how it will be viewed in the community. And I think that's where the issue lies, is that how will it be perceived in the public? And, Emily, I mean, I think you've got a, probably a good feel how, do you, how that stuff, you look at that stuff and you say, okay, how will the, the public view this uh, through their prism? I know, and you know, the public views everything so sensitively now. And and I'm not saying that there's that there's, you know, that there's absolutely nothing wrong with this, and I don't see why people would be offended, blah blah. blah. But I don't know. I, I just I don't take myself that seriously, so it's hard for me to take other people that seriously. And like situations like this, it's like for the world, dressing up like a cheerleader on a plane. To I mean, it just it, to me, it just it's such a it's it, it's part of baseball. It's a relative non-event, um, but yes, because everything now is so public on social media, and the players are the ones putting them out there. You right. know what I mean? Um, and not even just the players who are, you know, introducing these outfits, the, the players that are wearing them. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, but too, with this team, yeah, I mean, guys that ride on, the, so when we, when we travel, you know, most of the time if we're coming off an off day, Regardless, everybody, most of the older guys takes their own, take their own car to the airport so they don't have to bus back to the ballpark when we get home late at night, blah, blah, blah. Well, on rookie dress-up day, everybody goes to the ballpark before. Like, I mean, Cole was there. Like, all the older guys, they go. They want to be a part of it, you know, to see the guys, to be in that picture. Um, you know, they make a special trip to go to the ballpark before going to the airport so they can, you know, be a part of that. So, you know, I just... I can see why people, you know, I can see where it would be taken, you know, in the wrong context. But I guess knowing these, knowing the players, knowing the situation, to me, it's just 
it's a fun night and it's a complete non-issue. I, I could see to me the, the issue always with this kind of thing. And I, listen, I'm I'm solidly against bullying and harassing people. And, and except for me, you like for, to bully well, you, I like to bully you. There's no question about that. But look, let me give you a scenario. Let's say you have a gay man in the clubhouse, and uh, and then they and they and the guys know or suspect that he is gay, and then they say, okay, we're going to dress you up as something that would be offensive right. to him in that way, and he's already probably uncomfortable. Or, and, and I think those are the kind of t- times to me that this is when it becomes a sensitive issue. And, and I will also say that my experience in general and what I've heard secondhand, and a lot of this is anecdotal rather than than some empirical evidence that I have, but for a lot of the players who are coming out of Latin America, they don't have the same background with with, with this kind of stuff. Right. And this is viewed a little bit differently, and it's, yes. it, it, it's a cultural thing. Yes. And, and so I... I understand all of that. And I do think where we are going with this is that you will still have some degree of a rookie dress-up day. You're just going to take the gender aspect out of it. Yeah. Uh, superhero, superhero costumes are still allowed. I think we will find plenty of things. You can probably dress a guy up as a banana or um, as a hot dog if you want to. I, I think I dressed you up as a banana one time. I've always wanted to be dressed up as a tomato. So, okay, yeah. so if, if girls dress up as football players, is that is that offensive? No, no. I, I listen. I get. I get what you're saying. I, I just I think to me, what we always need to be aware of is, as 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 our good pal Barry Horn pointed out to me one time, if this is offensive to somebody else, then it's wrong. Yeah, you know, and and so if if that's if this but person Kevin, feels, are you serious that we can that we can not offend every like so I mean someone is regardless someone is going to be offended. I mean, not, well, I, not I, no, I think it's, it's I'm talking I'm not talking about people on the outside being offended, but I'm talking about, the, talking about the, the individual the himself or herself. I, I think it, right. it, if you've got a player who, who this is clearly as you said. There were two guys who were uncomfortable with this. Well, then, then they shouldn't have been have to, to do it. And, and and I think the players have to be sensitive to that. I, the leaders in the clubhouse have to look at this and go, "Hey, this ain't going over with this guy." And, well, and, and let and let's back off. I, and and I I talked to Michael Young this week and wrote a column kind of about that because he basically ran this for right. for a decade. Uh, and his, you know, the first year that Michael had to dress up, it was a veteran team, and they were on their way to ninety losses, and they were actually going from Oakland, where they had originally been when 9-11 happened, on makeup games to Seattle. And it was not a fun environment, and he found a dress in his locker, and he wore it, but there wasn't that air of inclusion. Yeah. Um, and when he took over in 04, he made it a point that every veteran was appointed one one rookie, and, and they took care of the costume. And he suggested, and he did this with his own rookie, that the next day then, you then took your guy out for lunch. You you sat down with him. You talked about his season. You talked about what you do going forward. You said, okay, this was the ritual of saying you're here and you belong. And now we get down to the real fun and the real work. And I I do think that's the way. And Emily, you can you can probably verify this better than I can, but I do think that's the way the Rangers have operated this whole this whole procedure over the last eight seven eight years that, that i've i've seen yeah and like i said i feel like you know i don't know how other organizations handle it I've, i haven't been a part of any other organization but i know that the way that it's been handled here has been overwhelmingly well received um except for like i said a couple of players that i've seen um over the years um now 
you and I both saw that, speaking of guys dressing up, Elvis was dressed in a green suede jacket and um, on his knees uh, to uh, propose to his girlfriend this weekend. Uh, did you give Elvis, uh, that was a rose petal covered floor at the W downtown, I believe. Did, did you give him tips on how to propose? Did he ask you for help? I did not. I had absolutely nothing to do with it. I had an inkling that it was coming and a feeling that it was coming. In fact, I don't know if I talked to you. I didn't sit with you at lunch at the media luncheon. No, because you uh, usually I shun me. <laughs> with my, that's not true. It's not true. Um, I sat with, uh, Je- well, I guess it was maybe Jeff and Anthony and Michael and who else? Oh, Stephen Hawkins. And yes. I did. I told them. I said, I think um, he had a dinner at the clubhouse that night for something. And I thought, oh my, is he going to propose in the clubhouse? And, you know, whatever. I, I just had a feeling that it was coming. But no, he did not seek out my advice or input. Um, he did a fantastic job. She is a wonderfully, lovely, beautiful, kind girl and seems to have just absolutely um, made him smitten, which makes me happy. So I think that he will be a wonderful husband and ultimately a wonderful father. And I couldn't be happier for um, for him, and it's fun to see him, as Evan, I know you can attest, it's fun to see him growing up. I mean, he's kind of, he's doing it right before our eyes, and it makes me I know, I cheer up a little bit. I know, oh my I know. Gosh. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him, and I'm proud of the person that he is, and I'm proud of the player that he is, and um, and I adore that kid. I gotta say now though the and I saw the 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 Twitter feed and the, and the, and his and the picture uh, and it's been the picture and all that, but I had to say you know what as the father of two boys that had to ask girls to uh, proms and homecomings, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the stuff they do <laughs> now just I to know. ask kids to to homecoming and prom just blows me. And I had to be part of some of it before my sense to help set it up, and it's unbelievable. The links they go to these days Idiots. to ask girls to these things, it's unbelievable. And the girls well, are going to expect that. It, I know, and a lot of it, too, is because of social media, and they see others. I mean, yeah. Before, all oh, the absolutely. women was, like, com- comparing rings, right? Like, oh, let me see your ring. Let me see your ring. Let me see now. Now it's like, well, how did he do it? Like, now let's see pictures. Did he hire a video- videographer? I mean, like, where's the documentation? How are we going to yeah, think about this? Absolutely. And, yeah, it's a lot. I, I asked my... You me enough money to date again it sounds exhausting yeah it's a lot of work listen i i wrote a poem it's why i retired emily yeah yeah he did retire evan retired from dating (laughs) uh listen i i I wrote a poem and read it and read it i recited it to my wife to ask her to marry me and i thought i was really doing good just doing that you know that's very sweet that's really sweet so i and i took i took gina to our favorite restaurant neighborhood services where we had had kind of our first like real date and I had um, given uh, the owner, Nick Batavinas, I had given him a menu that I had printed up that was going to be a special dessert menu with lots of items about life as a bowl of cherries and so forth and so on. And then he presented that at, at dessert, and I pulled out the ring. That, and I thought that was about as creative as I could get. What did Mike do? I think that's very sweet. My, this is the romantic, most romantic of all. I was working the Big 12 championship game in Kansas City. He came with me. I had to go do some interviews downstairs. He slammed about five bourbons. I came back up to the room. 
was getting ready, and he asked me to marry him. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna get. I thought there was came, gonna be a jumbotron proposal involved. No, in oh this. God, no! I came back to the room and I was like, "Why? Why is there five like empty drinks? Like, what are you? <laughs> five p.m. Like, what are you doing?" So you had to get him. You had to get him drunk to marry you. Is that what you're saying, Emily? He, he got himself drunk. Oh, okay, okay. Were there rose petals? Oh, were there any rose, rose petals rose. involved? There were no. He did wow. make us reservations at a very nice restaurant in Kansas City after that. Well, there you go. Well, when, yeah. I, when I asked Debbie, she said, <laughs> and so we were at we were in Austin, and we were at the Driscoll Hotel. I was there, I was getting an award, and so we we went there, and, and I asked her in the hotel room, and then I went down, and I was getting the car, and as she was standing downstairs, uh, and there was a group of, she said, little old ladies down there, they're all going to go out somewhere. She just couldn't resist. She just looked at all of them and said, well, I just got engaged. And then she showed them all her ring, and they were all very excited about, for her. I know. Okay, yeah, cool. little old ladies, it makes you feel good about anything. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, I, I, the last thing, and then we will move on. I, the ending of the proposal ended with uh, one of the waiters at Neighborhood Services, Will, who is a trained opera singer, uh, clinking his glasses. The whole restaurant went quiet, and then he broke into an aria. So, wow! Yeah, that kind of put okay, it over well, the top. That's very the lead there, Evan. Yeah, yeah. Wow, there, there you go. Yeah, buried the lead. Well, I had nothing to do with that. He's the one who's talented. I just yeah, no kid. So then she, then she, his coat she thought that then she ran off with him. Yeah, with him, yeah. Gina thought she was <laughs> he was asking right. That okay. was wow. He was the real catch. Yeah. Emily, let's talk a quick bit of baseball here. Uh, my social. Speaking of things on social media, um, my social media accounts this week have been. Uh, inundated after we got an update from John Daniels this week that the Rangers will visit with Josh Hamilton, see where the knee is, and then we'll proceed on the possibility of a minor league contract. I, I get a very divided public, and, and there's a lot of people reaching out to me saying, why would they bring this guy back? Why would they, why would they waste another year with him? He basically costs this team nothing at this point. The, the money is all accounted for. Do you see any reason that you would not take a chance on Josh Hamilton at this point? Yeah, I mean, you really have nothing to lose, honestly. I mean, the clubhouse chemistry is so strong that he won't be a distraction. It is exhausting sometimes, though. Like, I remember last season, I have a hard time with not just Josh, anybody, minor league players, whatever, talking so much at length during a major league season about people who aren't there and who aren't contributing and don't appear that they're going to be contributing for a, a decent amount of time. Right. And so there was there, there's a lot of that that comes with Josh. The daily update, you know, when we're, we're like, he's out for eight weeks, and then it's, you know, we're one week and two days into it, and everybody's asking for a Josh update. It's like, is, that, is it really necessary? Like, I, I, it hurts my brain. And I think it gets, I think the players, you know, I think that there could be a tendency for them to get annoyed by that, especially if they're being asked about Josh. And so... I, I don't think that's something now at this point in time you're going to have to worry about. He's not going to be um, a distraction or anything that's going to take away from the chemistry that this clubhouse has. And so all of that being said, why would you not? This is a guy with a ridiculous amount of talent that may not be able to give you consistent um, performances, but he has the ability to catch lightning in a bottle every once in a while and win you a few games and to be a significant threat off the bench. Um, you know, and if you use him right, he could be an asset. And so I, I don't think that, like you said, because of all of those situations, the financial, lack of financial implications, the, you know, the chemistry in the clubhouse, there's just no reason not to take a look at him. I, you know, I don't think so either. And I, I always feel that way about it. Cause, because, look, the, 
and I know about all the problems that come with, with Josh, but he is not a bad guy. And, uh, no. and, and so that, that, that's to me different. If the, if the guy's a bad guy, then no, I'm, I'm, there's no way you bring him back. But Josh is a good guy who has his demons and we all know that. And, uh, but he means well. And, and he, as you said, is a phenomenal player when he's healthy. And, and, you know, we have a tendency to dismiss guys cause they get hurt. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, it's like we're saying he's going to get hurt. Well, we don't know that. Well, I think people are, you don't are know. people no. have the same. People, we go into the clubhouse every day, and we're looking for something to fill up our notebooks with. Okay, and I think that yeah. P, I think fans have the same reaction a lot of times that Emily just re- gave us. In that you get tired head because there's only so many different times a guy can say, "My hamstring feels right. a little bit better or a little bit worse today," and, and people get people just get bored with it. It's like get out and play, or I don't want to hear about you. Well, it's a little bit like, you know, and I don't want to compare the two people, uh, but it's a little bit like Sean Lee. We're all going on and on about, look at Sean Lee, how great he's playing, and he's not right. hurt. Well, he's not always going to get hurt. Right. You know, I, I don't. I think that sometimes, you know, that what happens to guys when they get older, and Josh is certainly older, and his body's been abused and all that, and it's going to be prompt, but you're not going to ask him to go out there and play 140 games in right field. No. You know, and, and I think if he comes in and if he, he gets a few at-bats here and a few at-bats there, Part-time outfielder, part-time DH, and I do think there's some thought, and I think that maybe even Josh has been amenable to this, that he would consider learning to play a little bit of first, first base. base if that would help. So, yeah, uh, it makes him a more versatile. I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. It's now uh, my, I'm full of great segues today. Speaking yeah, of first base, before we let you go to the Christmas program, Emily, the the Rangers do have they do have the possibility of a hole at first base. They could go Gallo and Profar in some combination or Ryan Rua in there. But there's also some big bats on the market still available. One of them who you know very well, who's been a good fit here in the past. I think right now the Rangers have been a little bit more focused on Edwin Encarnacion among the free agents. But how do you think Mike Napoli would fit into this clubhouse at this point? Awful. He would not fit in at all. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. He, I mean, here's the deal. Like, Napoli... Fit, would, fit, would fit in anywhere. Right. I mean, um, and obviously I'm very biased because he, I consider him one of my dear friends. I absolutely adore the guy. Um, I, I love, I just, I love everything about him. I love, I love how comfortable he is in his own skin. I love how he just doesn't really give a rip about, you know, perception or whatever. He is who he is. He's got a good heart. He plays hard. Um, he loves baseball. This is, you know, this has been his life for, you know, forever. Not that it isn't for others, but I mean, when you don't have a family, you don't have kids I and mean, all that kind of stuff, like it just becomes, so this is like his baby. This is oh. like his child. And so, you know, he, he loves the game. Um, I think he, after the, the hip scare, when he went to Boston, I think he has a, a very, you know, um, renewed perspective on the game and what it means to him. And I think it's made him even more focused, but it, it, like I said, it doesn't matter where he goes, he's going to fit in. I remember going into that Cleveland clubhouse whenever they were in town this past season and talking to Chris Jimenez. And I was like, Jimmy, how are you? He's like, good. He's like, oh, it's great in here. And I was like, how, you know, how is it? And he was like, uh, the chemistry's fantastic. He was like, you know, it's not quite on the level that, that we've got over there, but it's getting there. And he's like, of course. And then he was like, pointed over to Nap's locker. And he's like, I mean, of course, it's that, that's, it's that guy. Like, that guy, he's got it. Like, he was like, I've never seen anything like it. Like, it, it, you know, players, they want to play with him. Like, and he's got, he just, there's just something about him. There's a reason that that this guy has played on as many world championship teams as he has. Not world championship teams, but teams that have gone to the World Series as as he has. Yeah, deep playoff runs. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's, 
yeah, he's very much a, you know, and it's so amazing to me when I see, like, I remember meeting him for the first time in, in Arizona, uh-huh. um, and he was this, like, timid, I mean, I remember I was pregnant, and Ian was yelling at me, Kinsler was yelling at me for something, I'd walked in the wrong door or something, and Ian was yelling at me, and I was all hormonal, and I started yelling at Ian, I looked back, and there's Nap eating like some lunch and like looks at me like so wide eyed like oh my god who is this crazy woman yelling in the clubhouse but also very pregnant um, so anyway so uh just to see him and he was so shy i mean like he, i remember i even i know you cry i mean talk about like needing xanax before interviews and like not being he just wasn't he just hadn't i don't feel like he had really found himself in that regard no you know? he and not. so and i think he, he and and the time here i feel like you know and playing with ian and playing with michael playing on these teams, I think really changed him, um, not as a person, but changed him in the way that he handles himself, especially with media. And for me, that's so fun to see. And to see him now, like, own clubhouses and to Absolutely. be that guy. And, and I th- so I'm so proud. I think that, you know, you look at what happened here. We both saw him just completely gravitate towards Michael Young and absolutely absorb oh, everything that Michael. Yeah. I've never seen like the man crush that Nap has on Michael Young is legendary. Like it really is. And, and what, so what I've seen over the last five years is I've seen a guy that has gone into so many different clubhouses, found the veteran leaders, and I think when he came here after his time with the Angels, he was seeking that kind of of camaraderie with players. Got that with Michael. Got that with Adrian. Went to Boston. Got that with Pedroia and Ortiz. Uh, uh, got it in Cleveland um, with that group. And so I think that he's just picked up all these different aspects of great clubhouse guys he's been around and been able to just kind of attach it to himself. And it's made him – it has made him a spectacular teammate and a spectacular contributor. And he does it with his own – he's not – I mean, he's not Michael. I mean, obviously. He's not trying to be Michael. But he takes, right, like you said, pieces of each, um, you know, of each clubhouse that he's been in. And, and he's – Made it, made his own little, you know, style and, um, and, and leadership and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I, he would be fantastic here. And let me tell you something: he loves it here. He loves it here. It might be uptown. It might be, you know, <laughs> the memories he has here. But Mike Napoli absolutely loves this organization. He loves playing here. Um, and I know that he would uh, be more than elated to come back. And I, I, I do think he would be a good fit. Um, we are we are uh, 12 minutes away from the start of the Christmas program at Emily School, so I think we need to I let I mean, if we go. keep going, you guys, I could put it on speaker and you guys could no, that. Yeah, that'd be great. Super. Uh, we need some of that. <laughs> we need some of that. that. That might drive up our ratings a little bit. Listen, uh, we, will, we will let you go and take your seat, and um, just make sure you post pictures on, on Instagram uh, and Facebook later on, please. Of course, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, it needs to be documented that both of my children are dressed appropriately for one day of the year. We like that. I like that. Emily, happy holidays to you. Okay, guys, y'all too. Be good. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye, Emily. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, Bye, guys. Uh, Let's talk about that. uh, Here's the thing for me. Mm Encarnacion would really ring a, a big bat. He is he's averaged over what almost thirty five home runs a year the last right four or five years. Right. Uh, he's the he's the big bat on the market. He's one of the biggest bats in baseball, 
And, uh, you know, 127 RBIs last year. I know that was a really good lineup, and that's unbelievable production. Uh, I just have a problem with making a four-year, five-year commitment to a guy who's going to end up being a DH uh, very soon, and you've already got a, a built-in DH with, with Chu, essentially, because you got to get him out of the outfield. Well, this is this is my issue. This is a guy who, in Toronto this year, did not play. He played 160 games, had 600 at-bats. Yeah. But he was not the the regular first baseman there. Justin no. Spoke played more innings at first base. Yeah. Uh, he has These are the numbers that entice the Rangers. 42, 36, 34, 39, 42. Yeah. The last five years, you know, that 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 home run total and averaging well over 100 RBIs over that over that course in time. And how old is Edwin now? Edwin is going to be 34 on January 7th. Uh, and yeah. Mike will be 30. I, I believe Napoli will be 35 next year. But you, here's you, the here's the deal for me, okay? Encarnacion is, is looking for a four-year deal at yeah. this point. Um. And, and as, as we say, I think he'd be an adequate first baseman for the first two years, but then you do have to move him to DH. And you've still got Chu under contract. Right. And and so then you've got those guys stacked up, and, and you don't have positions for him. And that's a tough place to be in with guys at $17, 18000000 million. I, I do think that there's the possibility that you could go out there and sign Napoli. Maybe it's a little bit more in terms of annual value than, than you'd like to pay him. But I think you could get a two-year deal with him at, at twelve or thirteen million dollars a year. He plays first base for two years, and, and then you move on. The other part that I really like about Napoli that does not come attached with Encarnacion is that you don't give up a draft pick. And yeah. if you're the Rangers this year, granted their draft picks will be you know twenty-nine and thirty-one or something like that, but still that's that's two of the top thirty players. And it's another way to add young talent to your organization. Which has been depleted. Which has been depleted. So yeah. so for me, I, I do kind of wonder why they haven't been more aggressive on Napoli to this point in time. Uh, but I certainly can't fault them for looking at Incarnazione. What does – and I know uh, uh, Mike had uh, – what were his final numbers last year? Did he hit 32 home runs? 34. 34. He and, 34. But, but did he slump in the second half? Uh, uh, you know, he, he, here's I think the best way to say this is his OBP the last couple of years has been down. Now, mm-hmm. those last six weeks with the Rangers, he had a great he had a great approach to play. Yeah, right, uh, had an OBP of close to 400, but he was 335 this year. Uh, three which for him is down because he's 324 been overall last year. Yeah, and we're talking about a player who in 14 was at 370. Uh, the year before 360. 2012 with the Rangers, 343. So, yeah. so we have seen something of a decrease in, in on-base percentage. But still pretty good for a guy with power. Correct. And, and that's the, that was, to me, the, the great attraction of Mike Napoli was but always— But you do, you do go back now and look at Encarnacion in the last four. These, these are—you know, we talked about the home runs and the RBI numbers. Yeah. The OBPs are 357 this year, 372, 354, 370, 384. So, yeah, I had no idea his was that high. Yeah, we're talking about a guy who, is, who has made himself a, a very disciplined hitter. A former Ranger, by the way. Uh, yes, traded <laughs> traded with Ruben Mateo for Rob Bell. You know, you traded two guys who were both better than Rob Bell, probably. Well, you know, oh Ruben Mateo, ne- after that broken leg, he, he never, never the same. But I still think I would, I wouldn't send Ruben Mateo for Rob Bell. You know, that didn't work out. No, really. that was not a good deal. Um, of course, he wouldn't be a ranger now anyway. I don't. You know, that, no. That's the thing about those kind of guys. It's like you know, uh, anytime you know, um, uh, when you have a, a player that has big time power like that, it's difficult to hold on to him. 
Uh, you, you end up, especially if they're a first baseman type, so it's hard to hold on to those guys. Ruben Mateo is going to be 39 years old. 39? In February. Are you kidding me? 39 years old. I still old. remember uh, uh, Rappi hanging his uh, jersey up in the uh, in the dugout. Remember that after he broke his leg yeah. and Rappi acted like somebody had died? Yeah. That was not a good deal. 39 years old. That's Holy crap. Well, you know, of course, we're really old now, or at least I am. Yes, well, I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. All right, before we go, I have to I, I have to ask you this question. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to Mark follow up. But so we had a family event last night. Yeah. All right. We couldn't make your Christmas party. Yeah. Because we had the family event. I decided I was going to do a brisket to bring to this family event, which uh, was not at our house. All right. Yeah. So I fired up the egg. I was going to fire up the egg at over, cook, smoke it overnight. The temperatures caused me a real issue. Did it really? Well, here's the thing. I I kind of cleaned out the smoker beforehand, right? Yeah. And so I had a I, I had all the airflow was really good, and I got the temperature up. I could not get it back down. Really? I couldn't bring it down to like two fifteen, and so it cooked way too hot, like at two fifty, all night. It was a little bit dry. I was really disappointed. Oh, you know, here's the thing we noticed last night at the party. Uh, and uh, did you do a brisket for your party? You know, I didn't cook anything. We I used to cook for the party, but now it's gotten so big. We, you just cater. We get like over 300 people who come to the party. 300 people. Over 300 people. They don't all call it come at once. The problem with the party is, and then you know, Debbie, Debbie and I've been having this party now for over 30 years. We we've been married for 29 years. And she started it before uh, we got married, and it was grown from a little party to a very big party. And and what we do and, is And you guys are all invited next year. Yeah, everybody come. The, 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 no the and the rule is is I started this a long time ago. I said if we're going to have this party and there's going to be this many people come, we need to have some good come out of it besides just good times. Right. And so we require everybody to bring a toy. And so we and we donated and this morning uh, Metrocrest Services came. It's a, an affiliate of WFAA with Santa's Helpers. Right. And they come in. I used to have to take them all down there, but I had to take them in two cars and so or two trucks. So now they come and, and we uh, they picked up, I think, 20 large trash bags full of toys plus uh, a bicycle. There's usually a couple of bicycles. But one of the things that well, worried me at the party last night was that uh, there was going to be uh, it's so cold and our house is not that big that everybody has to go outside. And so everybody has a good time outside, and right. we have we usually have a DJ. It was too cold for the DJ. The DJ wouldn't come because he had to set up outside, and, uh, and no one would come outside. So everybody was – and we built a little apartment out back, and I spent most of the party in the apartment because that's where Santa was. I was trying to keep Were you Santa, Santa's Santa party. No, I did not. But I was trying to make sure that nothing went wrong out there, you know, with Santa. I thought Santa to get drunk or something like that. You right. Know, well, if he's cold, scene. sometimes yeah, be a bad scene. If there's no reindeer around. But people wouldn't – it was so cold, people would not walk from the house back to the apartment, which is like – 20 steps. Yeah, it, it was cold. It and, was very and, and I was And usually I light these tiki torches in the back, and, you know, they just sit out there all the time, right? right. I, I couldn't light them. They wouldn't light. The wind was so bad. Well, no, it wasn't the wind. It was, too, it, it was so cold that the tiki, that the, the, the citronella inside the little things froze. Oh, my God. And the torches, I couldn't pull the torches out. <laughs> Unbelievable! I, I, I that was that was well, a record for us. People don't want to wander around in the dark in your backyard. Well, no, no, nobody does because we have we have wolves and coyotes and stuff like. Well, that that, that I'm I'm sorry I missed it this year, but we well, we are too. We were doing brisket and I'm sorry stuff. that it was overdone. It was a little bit. It was a little bit on the dry side. I was disappointed, but um, I've also now gotten real into the slow cooker in the house. So. Oh I, yes, you told me about I'm that. I'm experimenting yeah. with that, you and are. I did. I did like four pounds of chili for the uh, 
other family event that we had the night Four before. Four pounds of chili. A lot of chili. You can make meat. a lot of Frito pie with that. A lot of chili meat. All right. Well, we got to go. We got to get to Mark Followell and talk some Mavs. Um, Instead of just talking about ourselves like we did this podcast? Well, what's better than talking about Well, ourselves? that's true. It's really entertaining stuff. It's the most interesting thing of the day. Yeah. All right, Doug, take us on out so we can get to Followell. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.